Hey. Hey, welcome to the show. Uh, how about you introduce yourself? Sure. My name is uh, Peter LaCalamita from Magnetic Studio, and I'm basically an illustrator and animator, and I've got my new uh, iPhone game out called 123Pop. Oh, cool. Um, so how did you, uh, you know, let's, let's talk about um, what you've been doing in the game industry before you were inspired to make this iPhone game. Uh, well, actually, um, I'm not really an iPhone developer per se. I'd say about a year ago, you know, uh, my brother-in-law showed up at my house and was like, "Look what I have!" And it's like an iPod. And I was looking at this iPod, and there were games on it. Uh, and, and actually, maybe this was more like a year and a half or two years ago. Okay. But in any case, I was totally, totally inspired by this little device that could actually play games. Uh, it had sound. Actually, no, I think his first generation uh, iPod didn't have sound. But in any case, you know, the game, the game that I saw on this thing really motivated me to look into it. And um, from there, you know, I just basically picked up an iPod. Uh, I started programming in Unity. And uh, I just fell in love with the process and just kept, kept going and going until eventually here I am uh, with a game out in the App Store. Um, you know, what was the game? Do you remember the game that, that inspired you? Uh, from the iPod to actually get get going and get started? I, th I think it was actually like a kid's game. Um, okay. I think it was one of the, it, like it wasn't that brilliant in terms of concept. It was more like a, I think it was a movie which turned into a kid's game. Like it was one of those movie, really badly made movie yeah. kid's game. Yeah. But I was just impressed by the fact that, hey, if someone actually had a good story or a good concept for a game, it, what, what it showed is that you can use the accelerometer, you can tilt it, uh, which was at the time, which was like that's kind of cool. Um, you know, what I saw was the potential that yes, this thing can handle this little thing can handle, um, you know, uh, the, the graphics and the and the frame rates uh, that are needed to just to keep things smooth and, and flowing. And uh, were you playing? Do you play a lot of console games? I mean, before that, were you playing web games, console games? What types of games do you normally play? Sure. Um, I used to have an Amiga 500. I was always playing games on the Amiga. Uh, my typical weekends were like going to the software rental store downtown in downtown Toronto, <laughs> which, which uh, unfortunately, eventually, uh, you weren't able to rent games back then. Uh, this was probably like in the, the mid-1990s, uh, mid like 1995, 1996, something like that. Um, I was always playing uh, games on the Amiga. You know, even before that, there was my Commodore 64 that I was playing games on and also, uh, you know, actually doing a little bit of basic programming. Um, pretty much, I, I actually like strategy games and multiplayer games. Uh, I have a PS3 and I always play Warhawk. And uh, I definitely I'm into strategy games, thinking games. Um, I'm not necessarily into, like, single-player games just because I like the idea of beating a, another human being as opposed to just, um, you know, going through a single-player game. I also find, like, with single-player games, you usually will eventually win because, you know, the AI is usually ridiculously yeah. not that smart. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I definitely am attracted to um, to multiplayer games and strategy. And so have you been playing, uh, what multiplayer games have you been playing online? Well, for example, like like Warhawk is like my favorite. Um, uh, Battlefield 2, um, there's just a few others um, uh, that, I, that I like to play. But, I, but I'm also the sort of person that will still pick up. I also have a Wii as well because my young children uh, play on the Wii. So I'll also play like uh, Big Brain Academy and, and games like that. So, so you saw this uh, kids game that inspired you. Um, and you like multiplayer games. Were you thinking about doing a multiplayer game on the iPod iPhone? I mean, what inspired I'll you? Like, let's talk about the specific game you chose and why you, what inspired you to choose that. 
Sure. Well, this game, one, two, three, pop uh, that I made, um, it, I, I was thinking to myself, okay, if I'm going to make a game for the iPhone, which I've never done before, I have to choose something that is relatively simple but yet fun, and some, a game that would utilize my my experience as an illustrator and an animator. Um, and so, um, you know, those were that's that was sort of like my criteria. I mean, definitely my next few games that I put out, hopefully in the next six months or so. Are going to be more graphically rich and more, um, more maybe character based or or uh, something something that's more graphically intensive. But for the for my first game, which which is one two three pop, it had to be something that was simple because I was pretty sure that if I did um, aim too high, that as from my first game out, that it w- it wouldn't be it, it wouldn't be a good idea to to spend six months eight months on something constantly coding. Yeah. Just because I also have my freelance career and I can't just stop that. I have to actually, you know, pay bills and stuff. Yeah. Um, so I set out to do something very simple and something that was almost that was sort of universal, um, because it, there's a there's a kind of a math element to this game and it, it involves adding numbers to get points. Um, this was sort of like for me, this was one of the best ways to, just to go at it because it would have wide appeal and it'd be very simple. Yeah, for the audience out there listening, can you describe the game? Um, just summarize it just so they have a sense of what genre it is and how to play it and stuff. Sure. Uh, basically, one to three pop is a puzzle and math game. Uh, it's great for the whole family because it is complicated enough that adults would enjoy it because there's all kinds of little things going on. Uh, as well, it's great for kids to play because uh, it's relatively simple and uh, you can actually select the difficulty in the options. Um, it involves adding numbers together to score points. So for example, you basically would touch three numbers and these numbers are all bouncing around in this surreal environment. So let's say you touch one button, you touch one number and then a second number. The third number has to be the sum of the first two numbers that you tapped. So for example, if I tapped, if I tapped a one and a three, then the, se- the third number that I would, the next number that I would touch would have to be, well, actually, what did I say? Did I say three and a two? Okay, let's say, let's say if it's a three and a two, then obviously yeah. the third number has to be five. Okay. If it's a five and a five, obviously the third number has to be a 10. Um, okay. So that's kind of the game mechanic. So, you know, when you, did you, did you think about this uh, game mechanic initially when you started or were you, did you have to do any prototyping? Um, you know, how did you finalize the actual game design, making sure that it's fun? Sure. Uh, I actually started with an idea, and because uh, I, I remember thinking to myself, what would be the best, you know, project to approach? And I, I just sat on this idea, and the initial idea was just tapping numbers that are on screen. So I started with a very simple idea, tapping numbers on screen. And then as I started to develop it, I, I started thinking to myself, okay, well, how can I make this a little bit more than just tapping the numbers? So I felt the best approach was to start simple with what the core you know, game mechanic was, yeah. and then as you evolve and as you you know you you code it and you put it all together and you play it and play it and play it, you then ask yourself, okay, how can I how can I sort of balance this a little, either making it more either making it easier or making it more difficult. So with every obstacle that I threw in, for example, I added in a whale. A whale would jump in now and then from the water and it pops the numbers. So okay. you have to be kind of quick. So when you see this whale coming, you got to hurry up and make your sequence. Uh, another thing that came about was, hmm, what if I had a rocket that actually showed up in this thing? And this rocket is slowly rotating, and it's, it's at a random spot at a certain interval. And as this rocket is rotating, if I touch this rocket, 
it'll actually go in that direction and it'll, and it'll spin off. And the whole point there is, well, if I've got a bunch of numbers in one corner and this rocket's in the other corner, and if I time it right, I'll aim this rocket at the highest numbers in the, in the nearest area. And in this, in this way, you're able to add more and more points. The, the higher the numbers, the higher your score goes. Another thing I wanted to mention about the gameplay is that you basically have 60 seconds for each round. In each round, there's a target number. Let's say it's 75. You have to, add, you basically want to get uh, more than the target number in order to advance to the next round. So the rounds keep going on and on based on the 60 seconds, and you have to complete, you have to basically beat the target number in order to continue. If you don't uh, beat the target number, the game then ends. Okay. Um, the, I mean, don't you think that's pretty brutal to just end the game if you, I mean, that seems non-casual, like that. <laughs> you, uh, you know, the game ends when you, if you don't reach that number. Yeah, basically, like it's almost like you have sixty seconds to reach a benchmark. If you don't yeah. get beyond, but but let me tell you, the benchmark in the beginning is not that hard. Like it's okay. not that high. But what does happen is with each round, there's a very vari that variable does, I guess, somewhat increase. Yeah. So that you know when you're getting to the second and third round, then it definitely will go even even more. So like. Like it, it does increase, but then it also increases like, like a little bit much more depending on what round you're on. Yeah. Uh, and uh, yeah, so it's so. But it, sorry. So when you add the numbers together, does that count towards the yes. points? Yes. Okay. Sure. Let me explain. Okay. Yeah. So what happens is whatever the so what you're doing is you're adding the two you're you're touching two numbers and then your third number is the sum of the first two numbers. Yeah. That some number is what you're adding to your score. So for okay, example, awesome. yeah. if I'm only at, if I'm only adding one and one and two. I'm only going to get. I'm only going to increase my score by the number two, but if I add five and five together and I get ten, then I'm going to add my score by ten. So the cool thing is that you're always looking at the highest numbers, and conversely, you're always using that rocket. You always want to. You always want to aim that rocket at the highest numbers. Um, the interesting thing that comes about is that while you're playing, you're always looking at those higher numbers, yeah. but sometimes you also have to balance your thinking with okay. If I go for, if I just wait and just go for the highest numbers, I'll get a higher amount to add to the score. Yeah. But at the same time, if I had to wait ten seconds and I could have made, you know, a five as a sum number, twice in the in the span of, or let's say if it was a six, you know, two sixes in the span of like ten seconds, then I would have been better off just going for the lower numbers because you just don't have, uh, you know, a higher number there. Yeah. Another thing is. There's a lot of ran I like a lot of randomness in games, and just because you know, I, I never like to see you know repetitive stuff. And uh, although you know, I guess um, you know the case could be made that there are going to be things always that are going to be somewhat repetitive. Yeah. But in a nutshell, when you add some randomness to it, like the way this game is, I think it adds something. Um, and what I do is like, for example, these numbers that are generated, it's always random. Um, and so there are times when you know there just isn't a sequence. But the way that I've coded it is such that there always is is a sequence in a given amount of time. Um, and what about power-ups? Uh, you talked about randomness. You know, you had that whale, I think, you mentioned. Um, what about power-ups? Do you have any kind of, I guess, accelerators or power-ups that enhance the experience? I do have one other uh, object that, co that, uh, that, that comes up in the game at random times. And what it is is, the, is like this, this kind of floating star. The actual floating star is somewhat like the mascot because it's actually the icon image. Okay. Um, 
And what happens with the star, which is kind of cool, is because this star will randomly float in, and what happens is if you touch the star, it has some, somewhat like a blast radius, so anything in that radius, it collects those stars. And then okay. again, you also add to your points. But again, because this guy is drifting left and right and whatnot, like sometimes he's going left, sometimes he's going right. Um, so it's the sort of thing that you may be focusing on trying to get these numbers. And all of a sudden, the star comes in. And if you touch him at the right time when he's near a cluster of numbers, yeah. then you're going to get all those numbers to your score. So okay. that, that's kind of cool. Uh, another thing I should also mention is there's also um, a vortex sort of uh, object that, that shows up. And again, these are things that are somewhat random. And when the, when the vortex comes up, it actually sucks all the numbers in. So sometimes you're actually in the middle of doing your sequence, and all of a sudden this vortex comes out, sucks all the numbers away. And though your sequence is sort of like you're, let's say you may have done a one and a five, it takes those, those numbers into the vortex. Well, you have to remember that, wait, what kind of sequence was I making? Okay, I need that, that third number has to be the six. Um, another thing to add to that is um, as well that in some cases, in combination with the vortex or the star, the if the vortex is, is collecting all the numbers and the star just happens to be in that right in the in the right area and you touch him when he's near the vortex, because the vortex is actually uh, positioning all those objects towards it, and if you enable the star, like if you actually touch the star and it, and it grabs the numbers, and it's right near the vect, uh, vortex, you can get a lot of points that way. Okay, um, you know, so so you have these changes. Uh, so when you first prototyped it, how long did it take to get from that initial prototype to, to this finalized gameplay that you just described? Uh, I would say the process took about a, about a month and a half. And, you know, that process, can you talk, was it just privately testing it with yourself? Were you having your kids play it? How did you go about play testing it to make sure and to come up with the refinements needed to, to make it a game that you found fun? I basically bothered my family and my friends, like literally every week. Uh, if I saw them, it would be like, you got to try this out. Please, please, please try this out. I know I'm annoying, but you got to try it because I just want to see what you think. And I tell you, it was so amazing to see my friends or family play it. Yeah. And what was even more exciting is when uh, me and my two kids and my wife were like trying to get the high score just between, the, just between ourselves. And, you know, it just felt really good to see, like, even if I made no money on this game, honestly, yeah. the idea of other people playing my game, yeah, I mean, it's, it just, it's just, it's a huge feeling. It's like, wow, they're actually enjoying this. And yeah. to, be, to be honest, um, I remember as a kid making little games on my Commodore 64. And even before my Commodore 64, I had a Timex Sinclair 1000, which you probably don't even know about. <laughs> It was, it would almost, I mean, it was hardly a computer. Like, it literally was this, it was black and white. It had 2K of memory. You hook it up to your, to, at the time, I hooked up to, at the time, my black and white TV in my room. Um, and this is probably in the, in the late 80s, actually. But in any case, um, I even made a little game with Time Missing Pro 1000 um, that my friends were, were playing once. And I was just sitting back going, this is awesome. That, that, and it was, of course, very, very simple. It was somewhat like, almost like a VIC-20 Moonlander type of game. But um, I guess the point I'm trying to make is, you know, it's, it's hugely satisfying to make something and actually have people smile yeah. and say, hey, I like this. Um, your kids, were they, you know, how, how long were they playing it? I mean, were you, when you got feedback from your kids, were you thinking that it should be targeted towards kids? Were you still trying to make it a family game? Um, you know, actually, that, that's kind of a struggle for me because, um, you know, it's like I made it, I made it, 
I actually made it for myself. I wanted to, like, like firstly, I was like, okay, well, let's make a game that I would like to do, that, that I would like to play. And I kind of had what I was having fun with it. Then I was thinking, you know, people, the kids would definitely, this would definitely be good for kids because it kind of, um, it does kind of help them with math. It's kind of cool in a way that you got to, you know, use a rocket and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, it is a bit of a brain challenge, a bit. And I thought, you know, yeah, this definitely, and my kids absolutely, and they absolutely, absolutely adore the game. So I was thinking, yeah, this could be good for kids. But the downside to saying this is for kids is, well, then the adults might think, wait, I, I'm not going to play this. This is for yeah. kids. And why would I even bother? You know, it, 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 who knows? Someone might well, even be interested to play in the sense that, well, it's for kids. And I'm, hey, I'm not a kid, you know. <laughs> um, so it is kind of a struggle. It's like, even yeah. when it comes to the categories, uh, for the app store, it, it's kind of like um, I know that you know the children's area in terms of gaming is is definitely very active, and um, so it, it's I don't know what to say about that. I, I'm kind of like torn in the in the sense that well, if I say it's for kids, then adults won't play it. But the thing is, it's also for adults too. So I guess in a sense, it's kind of like a family game, and I've definitely been putting that in my uh, queries to to uh, reviewers and podcasters like yourself. I try and package it that it is a family game so that people don't just uh, just think, oh, it's just for kids. And, um, okay, so it took a month and a half. Uh, were you testing, were you having them play it on the emulator? I mean, how are you having the people play test this thing? Uh, I, I um, pretty much always put the game to the device and play okay. it there because I figure, you know, that is the real world scenario. I, I've uh, heard it's extremely difficult. I You know, I wouldn't know, but I heard it's extremely difficult to to actually test something on do you mean, iPhone. Do you mean getting the uh, yeah, like, getting, do you mean getting, getting the actual like software onto the device? Yeah, exactly. Well, you know, it's funny because like I'm not really a tech guy, I'm more of an artist, but I I definitely had problems here and there. But yeah. I think that one thing that people can take from this little interview is that you can do it. It's not hard. If I can do it, anyone can do it, to be honest. Uh, if you know how to use a computer, I mean, even with programming, I mean, if, if, as long as you understand a basic structure and your ifs, your you know your your if conditions and why why when things happen and why things happen and variables and the different types of variables and whatnot, no, nothing is insurmountable. Like it, it can be done. I think another thing I should also mention is that this was I actually created this in Unity 3D, and there's an amazing and, and and like a lot of game engines, there's this huge community out there that's so willing to help you. Um, yeah. One of the most. So, so sorry. Yeah, go ahead. Finish that. And no, I was just going to say that an example of uh, in terms of getting over these obstacles, and definitely there were a lot. Like, don't get me wrong, there were. I think at every stage of my game, there was an obstacle that I had to figure out and then solve. And the best um, uh, technique for me in terms of solving the, these issues was to go online, especially uh, I think I believe it's called uh, Answers.Unity3D or is it Unity3D.Answers? I'm not sure. But in any case, there is this um, this community uh, you know website. I'm, I'm imagine it's probably done by Unity. But in any case, yeah. you could literally post a question, and you will literally get an answer like three or four hours later via this the, this forum. Um, that's that's what I used, and even other sites. You know, I also it's funny because you know when I used to program when I was a kid. There was no internet. Now it's like you can literally just type in a class and find out what are all the options for that class. You know, it's all hypertext and whatnot. Um, it's so easy to find out on the internet what you need to do to solve a problem, to solve an issue, and even with X Xcode as well, of course. It is complicated, but there was always a solution. In fact, in fact that's my model of life. There is always a solution. You just need to just work at it. Yeah. Um, you know. So let's talk about 
the fact that um, you didn't, you know, you're an, you're an artist, so you do freelance artwork. Yeah. You had to do a programming project. So initially, you know, you, you spent that month and a half prototyping. Uh, first of all, how frequently were you doing the playtesting? And secondly, um, what were some of the challenges as you were trying to get started? I mean, how do you go from someone who doesn't do programming, who doesn't do game <laughs> development, um, mm-hmm. who just who does artwork to some someone that's going to program a game? Yeah, that's a good question. Yeah. You know, sometimes I look at what I did and I go, how the hell did I do this? <laughs> yeah. and, the, and the funny thing is, even if I leave what I'm doing for a week, like if I stop, let's say something comes up, I've got to work on this project, I put it aside, I go out, whatever, I come back a week later, I, I, it's like I look at it and I go, what is this? This is like, this is like Chinese to me, I don't understand. Um, yeah, it, it's, it's definitely very hard. Um, but I guess your question, the question was, how do you yeah. go from zero to, like, how do you go from not programming to all of a sudden? Yeah. I guess, I guess the, the thing is, maybe it's fair to say that I do have some experience based on the past. Sure. Um, and I think that, you know, definitely doing tutorials helps. Although I'm not really a tutorial. I mean, I, when, I, when it comes to tutorials, I sort of look at the stuff and I kind of play around with it and I'll cut and paste some of the, um, the scripts and, and play around with that. Um, but I'm not, I'm not one of these guys who takes a linear tutorial and, and goes from A to Z and then goes, oh, okay, I know this now. No, it's more like I look at the tutorial and I'll skip through a lot of stuff and I'll just only isolate what is, gonna, is what I need and what I want, what I want, what I want to learn. Um, I think that though, definitely, um, you know, tutorials do, do help beginners. I mean, uh, yeah. going from zero to doing a game, definitely the best place to start is to look at, to look at the tutorials. And also, like even like on the Unity website, there's like a ton of stuff there. Um, you know, it, 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 I think the, the, you know you look at objects, game objects. How do you move these? I mean, I think that's another thing. I think one of the first things I ever did was, you know, I put an object in the in the the, the, the stage, and I I basically said, you know, you basically add a component called rigid body, and then, and then you enable gravity, and this thing will all of a sudden collide with other objects in the scene. And it's, it, took, it takes like two seconds. I mean, just okay. going from that, you can get a sense of, okay, I look into this inspector window and I can see these components. And each component does something. And if I change these values in, these, in this component window, it, it'll have a result. It'll have a consequence. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's the sort of thing. Where, like, I think the same thing can be said about um, all the software that I use in terms of 3D animation, like Lightwave and Cinema 4D. Um, it's the sort of thing where you, I think you just have to love it and just sit there at it and just go at it and just play around with it and see what happens. And that it's sort of, it's sort of like trial and error. Yeah. And, uh, like, for example, like, uh, I actually never went to school for animation. I went to school for illustration at Sheridan College. And, uh, you know, it's the sort of thing where, you know, these interfaces are, are almost, they're very similar. So it's just a matter of getting into, like the interfaces are sort of similar, you know how they're structured. And then it's just a matter of, you know, trying to get the most out of that particular piece of software. Um, because for example, like everything I've ever known, I think when it comes to computers, is just, it's just being self-taught. I mean, sure, I did take computers uh, in, in high school, but I mean, it wasn't that intensive. Um, okay, so you would recommend that um, listeners who don't necessarily do a lot of programming, who want to get started, to just do tutorials, and you know try to engage in a development community or find a community that's that's really helpful. Oh, absolutely! I think there's there's a there's a huge online community that you can engage. There's also even in, in major cities, there's all kinds of uh, gaming 
gaming jams per se or whatnot, and it's, yeah. it's always good to 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 reach out to those communities. I mean, I, I just find in general that uh, it's it's def. I mean, everyone has just been. I, I don't think I've ever like had a bad experience <laughs> where I've said, "Hey, how do you do this?" or "How do you do that?" And it's like leave me alone. It's like I don't, I don't. I've never actually seen that. I mean, I'm sure it exists. Yeah. Well, did you go to any of the game jams uh, in your city to help develop this product, or? No, I didn't. But I, you know, I see them. I, I go online all the time and look at, you know, the fact that there is this community, and especially in Toronto, there's this huge community, and and it's a shame I'm not part of that, or at least not yet. <laughs> I, I definitely want to um, to go to those things. I wouldn't mind seeing how. Like, how, I, I do actually have some connections in the industry in terms of like independence, like myself. Yeah. Um, and we do kind of exchange notes, uh, especially since my first launch. Like, <laughs> yeah. it's almost like every time you know, every time I go up in the ranks, I'm like, oh, check this out. You know, I'm, I'm in you know, number seventy-five or something like that. So definitely, um, there's a few few people that I I stay in touch with uh, in terms of sharing notes. And I'm actually hoping I actually have a few uh, interested clients who are going to be uh, developing some iPhone projects. And I'm hoping to. Um, with one or two uh, partners to create something really, really cool. Yeah. Now, you know, how is during the month and a half while you're prototyping this? How is the family feeling? Um, you know, was <laughs> it was it a subject of conversation? Was it an important part of you know everyday <laughs> conversation life? I mean, how how did the game development play in relation to uh, other family duties or just family conversation? Well, it's 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 funny because it just in general, me as a me as a human being, I'm pretty I'm pretty an intense guy. When it comes to my career, that's that's it's everything to me. So yeah. the so the family joke is, oh, there there goes dad again talking about his game, or there goes dad again talking about his illustration, or there goes dad again talking about his short film. So it's a sort of I guess in a way I'm kind of a pain that way, but my family luckily is used to it. Okay, <laughs> it's all it's it's almost like whatever I'm working on, I tend to grab people. Like and say, what do you think of this? What do you think of this? I like, get them involved. Um, uh, definitely, people who know me know that I'm into my to my work, and it just so happens that now it's a game. And but, it, but at least in this case, they can actually they can actually participate because yeah, that's so that's that's what I was interested in. Does that participation, you know, does that add more enthusiasm to the conversation? Are they more curious about what you're working on? Does that help you uh, in terms of motivation to just stay focused to get the game done? I think it does help, uh, definitely. Um, I mean, uh, I know that, um, oh, definitely. I mean, it, it definitely helps. Uh, I mean, sometimes the only problem is I need to balance, uh, definitely a, a challenge for someone like me is uh, balancing home life with the work. That, I mean, whether it's a game or whether it's animation or, or illustration, there's there, there's always that challenge. But I would say that in terms of building a game, I mean, you, you can't, I don't think you can, I don't think it's a good exercise to, just keep it to yourself and only code, 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 and build, build for yourself. Like you've yeah. got to share it and get because you're making it for people. You're not making it for you. So, yeah. I mean, yes, it's good to make it for yourself. Yes, it has to have vision. But the, the development it. process being social is it, it adds more fun to the process too. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Because I think another thing is you know like my kids see that I mean, my kids download games all the time for the, for the iPod and stuff, and yeah. they're they're avid gamers online. And I, I'm always peeking over their shoulders to say, hey, what's that? What, what are you playing there? What is that? So it, they're definitely kind of somewhat involved. And if, at least if they can take from this whole experience that, hey, dad didn't know anything about coding, you know, two years ago. <laughs> and now he's got a game on the App Store and it's selling. And it was yeah. even featured by Apple. So, you know, perhaps that will inspire, inspire them to, uh, 
you know, to, to think that, you know what, if I want to learn something, all I have to do is sit my butt in that chair and get to work and get cracking and do it. As opposed to talking about it. You yeah. know, because that, that happens. I mean, we sometimes we, we talk about stuff that we want to do, that we want to do when they're at this age, or we want to do when before we die. But you know, you gotta get out at some point you have to put the plan into action and, and go and do it. And don't just keep talking about it. Actually do it. Okay. So um, this will end part one of the conversation. And what okay. we'll do is, um, for the listeners out there, uh, part two will just cover the remainder of what it took to actually get this game out and to market it. So cool. Thanks.